What's up, everyone? I'm Diamond. And I'm Noah. And this is Living Boundaries, a crash course on redlining in Richmond. So, Diamond, for listeners that don't understand redlining or may have never heard of it, what exactly is it? Where does it come from? And why should we care? In order for us to fully understand it, I got to give a brief history lesson on where it comes from. Redlining was first introduced to Richmond, Virginia in 1937 by the Homeowners Loan Corporation, or HOLC. This was created under President Roosevelt's New Deal program. It was a government agency that came about as a response to the Great Depression that took place a few years earlier, and their goal was to refinance the housing market by providing loans for mortgages. Sounds good, right? But the thing is, the HOLC was very selective over who could receive these loans. Lenders denied home mortgages from specific neighborhoods based on the race and class of its residents. How did the HOLC determine which neighborhoods they could and couldn't loan to? So they created what's called a residential security map that assigned color-coded values and letter grades to each neighborhood. It was sort of like a report card, and receiving a bad grade had detrimental effects. So let's start with the A and B grades, which were colored green and blue respectively. These neighborhoods had rich, all-white residents, big houses, and lots of beautiful landscapes. The HLC considered these to be the most favorable investments, and because they were properly invested in, these same neighborhoods like Windsor Farms and the Fan remain in great condition, with plenty of flourishing businesses and access to resources. C-grade was outlined in yellow and considered to be declining. The HLC advised against loaning to these residents due to the high number of renters, lower-class white residents, and its proximity to these red communities. Some yellow neighborhoods receive notes like, This is a stable, predominantly white homeowning neighborhood. It is not receiving a higher grade because Black people from the adjacent neighborhood walk through this area to go to the park. And that brings us to our main focus today, D-grade, redlined, because they were considered hazardous, high-risk investments. They were said to be infiltrated by African-Americans, immigrants, minorities, and working-class residents, who were considered to be the lower populations. To the HOLC, red men avoid at all costs, and the issue lies in the fact that these historically redlined neighborhoods did not receive equal investments as the others, leading to them being visibly lower in quality and wealth, with less resources and residents facing considerably more issues within their communities to this day. This leads us to our discussion of what the issues are, in order to better understand how harmful this discriminatory practice was and how its history still shows up today. We talked with the co-directors of the RV Eviction Lab to learn more about Richmond's eviction crisis and find the links between eviction and redlining. We do see that some of the neighborhoods that have the highest eviction rates in the city of Richmond are also those neighborhoods that were uh, redlined. This is Mr. Ben Teresa. He's done extensive research on housing, economy, and racial segregation within real estate market. Next, we spoke to Catherine Howe, who focuses on affordable housing, community development, and gentrification. We did a regression analysis on this. Um, we found that even controlling for things like income, home value, and a host of other factors, race, neighborhood racial composition was the biggest predictor of uh, neighborhood eviction rates. Right, so more than double any other factor. Catherine found statistical data that revealed disproportionate eviction rates within racial groups. The factors that once led to being denied home loans are the same ones leading to completely losing a home. Although redlining practices were officially prohibited by the Fair Housing Act in 1968, it seems as though averse racism and classism has prevailed in the housing markets, creating a system that actually doesn't give everyone a fair shot at home ownership. Virginia has relatively weak tenant protections, 
which can influence um, higher eviction rate. Only a third of people, of households who make less than half of the median income, actually have housing that's affordable to them. So there's a huge deficit in affordable housing, particularly for lower income uh, renters and households. Powell and Teresa explained how permanent eviction is and how it can create a domino effect of misfortune. But more importantly, beyond that one day, right, eviction actually follows you. It stays on your record for years. Um, And it's perfectly legal to say, I won't rent to you because you have an eviction on your record. It's completely legal to do that. And so so that means that people can't can't find housing in a really, in in better neighborhoods. It's harder to find, um, find rental housing. Well, particularly for children, for young children, there's well-documented effects that eviction, the loss of a home, represents a traumatic event. The effects of trauma can extend and really impact how a child develops and how they affect their lives into adulthood in terms of their ability to concentrate in school, to graduate from school, to hold a job and be in stable relationships with partners and family and and so forth. Eviction isn't the only way people in redline neighborhoods are victimized. In addition to economic hardship, there's environmental impacts. To further understand them, we spoke to the chief scientist at the Science Museum of Virginia. This is Dr. Jeremy Hoffman. He and his colleagues looked at the last few years' worth of satellite imagery measuring the surface temperatures of different urban cities and found shocking observable differences in heat distribution. And this was the case in 94% of the cities that we analyzed and it has much to do with the disparity in the underlying land uses between these areas, whereby the formerly redlined areas tend to be much more built up and uh, tree-less, and the formerly A-rated or green-lined areas are much more, uh, a lot more trees and fewer impervious or hard surfaces like brick, asphalt, and, and sidewalks. The presence of trees, or the lack thereof, creates significant differences in temperature. In Richmond, I think it's about four degrees difference hotter during the summer. Now that might not seem like much, right, but with climate change, this can be definitely exasperated. And, you know, four degrees difference in the middle of the summer can can make a lot, right, with no shade. That's Justin Madrin, Hoffman's colleague on several projects. Madrin is the GIS project manager and analyst at the University of Richmond's Digital Scholarship Lab who helped digitize the redlining maps. Four degrees sounds like no big deal, but when you think about it, a human's internal body temperature is about 98 degrees Fahrenheit. Four degrees higher than that is a fever. The effects of extreme heat exposure are very serious, and similar to eviction rates. It's disproportionately impacting Richmond's population. Historically, redlined areas are still mostly poor in black communities today. So these communities usually have, you know, higher pre-existing conditions such as, you know, uh, asthma, cardiovascular disease, and and limited access to resources, and and more elderly. We see from several studies that have come out recently that, you know, life expectancy is lower in redlined communities. I mean, it, it comes down to how long will you live? Becoming aware of Richmond's dark past and how it still lives on today is the first step towards creating real change. The issue of housing inequality is especially evident now, during a global pandemic. Living Boundaries was produced by me, Diamond Stevenson, and Noah Fleischman for Podcasting While Black, a course offered by the Department of African American Studies at VCU. Thank you to our special guests, Ben Teresa, Catherine Howe, 
Jeremy Hoffman, and Justin Manjin for your contributions. On the next episode of Living Boundaries, we'll dive deeper into the lived experiences of residents in Richmond's redlined neighborhoods and what exactly is being done to combat these issues and help their communities. 